morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Weekly for Saturday, September 17th, 2022. It's been another great week of shows with great topics and, of course, great guests. We kicked off the week with a look at retirement income technology solutions. Let's take a look. I think, you know, our, our legislators are responsible for setting the framework that makes it possible for our society's needs to be met. And in in particular, um, you know, a trend that is been occurring in, in our country and internationally around retirement involves the trend away from employers providing guaranteed retirement benefits to long tenured employees um, to uh, the society shifting from those defined benefit kinds of plans to defined contribution plans where the participants and plan sponsors each contribute to an account, but nobody really knows how much retirement income that account might come to produce by the time of retirement. So for both for the savers who really don't know exactly what they need to do to generate the most or the safest amount of income, and for our legislators who want to make it um, easier for, for employers to create those benefits for their employees that that just are not really tenable to provide the way they historically have been, um, you know, it's so important that um, that they take uh, action to be able to uh, create the kind of environment that enables the accumulated assets that exist in the defined contribution system to be able to be spent in retirement income. No, that's absolutely true. I think there's a lot of products in the market and there's a lot of products additionally coming to market. And uh, they're utilizing different flavors of annuities, uh, and they're also utilizing different structures, uh, different potential technology solutions, whether it's through a target date, a managed account type investment structure, or some sort of advice guidance, or uh, potentially a combination of multiple. Um, but I think that from the participants' uh, vantage point, it's important to kind of get down to the benefits and away from the, you know, the structure can be set but ultimately the benefit needs to be clear and simple enough for an individual uh, kind of average participant to understand it. And to your, your point on technology, right? I, I think that there's a lot of providers out there that, that don't offer these solutions yet uh, because a lot of times they, they cannot, either on the back end connecting an annuity into a record keeping system that just hasn't been set up yet, or on the front end where you're actually presenting this uh, this product to a participant. There needs to be builds there that in a lot of cases just haven't been set up yet. And there's a lot of technology uh, that can help assist with that, um, either directly with a provider or with a third party uh, middleware type of solution provider as well. It is a, it's a, it's personalized, right? It needs to be to the specific person that's made the investment, regardless of what the structure is and uh, both the investment as well as the, the insurance side of it. And that needs to be accounted for, it needs to be calculated either by the provider themselves or a third party uh, middleware type of solution um, and needs to be stored. Uh, there needs to be oversight uh, of these solutions um, and of the entire process. And you're talking about multiple parties involved, right? Where the participant is typically logging in through their plan, through a record keeping system uh, that they're then accessing a digital experience. Um, and all of this needs to be uh, 
accounted for on the back end, presented to them in a way that they understand, um, and in a way that the data is flowing efficiently through that uh, through that process, through the record keeper, through the technology solution provider, to the product, to the insurer to do the reserving and hedging, and then back to the participants so they can ultimately understand and see what their benefits are. So. Apologies if I got too technical there, but it is like you said, it's it's complex, right? So that's that's yeah. where we really need to uh, take that complexity away uh, from the participant and really focus on the benefits and let us as an industry solve uh, some of those complex challenges. Yeah, you know, I couldn't agree more with that perspective because, um, you know, it's it's not for lack of products that people have don't have the access to the secure income that they need in retirement. There, there's a proliferation of annuity products that have existed both in the in the regular retail community and as well as previous generations of products that had been available through the defined contribution system. But lack of clarity prior to the SECURE Act regarding fiduciary obligations and making those product introductions as well as um, you know, technological constraints have really, uh, you know, made it difficult for even, you know, those who can explain the benefits of those solutions to be able to, to get really in front of consumers in an implementable way. Academics go around and they can prove, you know, left, right, up and down that for many individuals, it makes sense to incorporate um, lifetime income solutions in, into their portfolios. But um, but all of that connectivity that that Ryan was talking about, it not having been there has been the main impediment in my view, um, and especially since um, the SECURE Act addressed some of those other questions, um, it, it remains in my view the most material impediment um, alongside participant education um, to getting people access to these guarantees that I believe they need. I think there's an understanding that um, individual connections to these solutions are just not long-term efficient or scalable, right? A one-to-many connection is what uh, distribution partners want, and it's also what record keepers want as far as getting access to, to multiple slices of, of solutions. Um, and, you know, I think there's a hope that uh, some of the the uh, DOL changes and the presentation of the lifetime income um, on statements will be an eye opener and have participants start to ask some questions, have plans start to ask some questions about annuitization, about income, because I think that most participants don't understand, right? Maybe they, they have a number in mind, um, whatever it may be that they're saving to, but if they then achieve that number and live to a hundred, is that really going to be enough? Most people just don't have an answer to that question. So we need to do a better job of, of helping guide them and provide solutions uh, to, to help them answer that question ultimately. I, I again agree and couldn't agree more. And, and it, it's a particularly challenging environment into which to retire because we were experiencing prolonged low interest rates, which means that fixed income produces less income than it used to. The market's been extraordinarily volatile recently. And that's, so it's very scary for people who are close to or in retirement to remain allocated 
to those equity-based investments that can dramatically rise and fall in value in a given year when you need to take that money out of a portfolio. So, and and couple that with a scary jump in inflation and and you've got a, a trifecta of, of issues that makes it so challenging for those who are approaching retirement now. And, and that's just why I, I think Ryan and I and, and a lot of other members of our industry feel that the, the time for guaranteed solutions to be incorporated voluntarily into benefit offerings is absolutely now. Next up, educating kids on the autism spectrum. Let's take a look. Well, the interesting thing about autism is that the definition of autism has actually evolved across time and it continues to evolve. So even though it's listed in the DSM-5, which is the um, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders, it's actually not considered to be a disorder. So it's a neurological condition that has a genetic cause and it's impacted by a lot of factors that we are still in the process of discovering. So the research in this field is quite new and the diagnosis first appeared, when you think about it, in the 80s. It hasn't been that long ago. No. So currently, the way we think about autism is that it is a neurobiological condition caused by genetic, impacted by a lot of variables, which we're still discovering, things like um, paternal age, um, inflammatory conditions. It could be chemicals. But it's really important to have that genetic foundation. Without that genetic foundation, those variables by themselves don't cause autism, so to speak. It's a unique combination which we're still discovering. And it's basically because we don't know the biological um, background, we don't understand the key factors. We cannot um, establish uh, autism just based on biology. We're looking for behaviors in the process of diagnosis. So the two classifications which the DSM-5 looks at are the social and communication impairment and restricted behaviours and interests. And there's a lot of sensory underlying factors that impact on the restricted behaviours and interests. So we're looking at the two clusters. We're looking at social and communication impairment, so to speak, but we like to see that as you know, neurodiverse, like, you know, people on the autism spectrum do the social and communication differently. And it's good to be aware of that. And they've got a tendency towards some restricted interests and behaviors. And sensory is also a very important component of being on the autism spectrum. I believe it's about one in 70 to 100 people. So I think it's actually quite common. And recently, because we are more familiar with a diagnosis, our diagnostic tools are getting more refined. We can we can pick it up earlier and we have more refined tools to be able to diagnose it. So the prevalence seems to be higher than in the past, but that's not because the autism rates are going up or anything like that. It's just because we're better at detecting it and people yeah. the awareness is growing in the society, in the community. So more people are presenting to get diagnosed as well. The characteristics of autism change according to the environment. So sometimes people can sail through a particular stage of life. Um, for example, preschool, where there's not that many demands. 
so they can manage to get by and then they might have more problems in primary school where there's more social demands and um, you know the the social interactions are more complicated and you have to be really you know the theory of mind you need more understanding about how people think and the games are getting more sophisticated and the communication is getting sophisticated and that's where people will notice that you know the child is struggling and that might start off the assessment process same thing with adults they might notice that you know they're having some challenges in relationships and that's something that might flag the symptoms or often um, as it was in my case you might have children and the children get diagnosed and then the more you start learning about autism the more you realized oh yeah maybe my partner has some characteristics as well and things become more clearer so absolutely for a lot of people a lot of people feel just from what I uh, from what I experience with my clients a lot of people um, sometimes mention difficulties um, with social interactions, they felt that they experienced the world differently, that they processed information differently, that the social relationships were different. So having a diagnosis is often very comforting, gives them just that sense of understanding and the sense of support and identity. So it can also be a, a really a wonderful process just of self-discovery and getting to know more and for things to make sense finally that you've been experiencing all your life. I think it's really important to acknowledge that there is a lot of information out there when you Google autism and it can be quite overwhelming for parents. So this area is not that it's not that old. There's actually the research in a lot of ways is still budding. When I was doing my article about self-esteem, I was shocked to find how little information there was about autism and self-esteem or autism and mindfulness. This is a very new area. So I think it's extremely important for parents to, the best way to go is always to go to your national body or research center, because there's a lot of conflicting information based on anecdotal evidence. There's a lot of fads that might not always be research-based, even though they might be popular. So there's a lot of, and autism is very heterogeneous. That means everyone will be presenting very differently. And you're right, it's very important to just be really familiar on what is evidence-based and what's even advertised out there, but it, it doesn't have, it lacks that empirical evidence. So it, the, the best place to go is to go to your national body um, for autism and have a look, go through that process. Well, we're halfway through. We come back the other half of our best segments for the week. You're gonna to wanna to stay tuned right here on BRN Weekly. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. 
We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and call Credit Repair for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. At Empower, we help you open doors to get you ready for everything that lies ahead. Because your financial wellness is what matters most. Behind every door is an opportunity to save for life's moments. These are your goals, and it's time to help get you there. We've been opening doors for more than 17 million customers across America as they save for the future they want. We are Empower, and we're ready to open some doors for you. Welcome back. Next up, we discussed Medicare enrollment pitfalls. Let's take a look. Well, I think one of the big mistakes that people sometimes make when they uh, you know, reach the age of 65 uh, is they don't you know, uh, contact Social Security and ask about enrolling in Medicare and what the requirements are. You really, as you approach, really, you shouldn't even wait to your 65th birthday. As you approach the age of 65, uh, it's a good idea to reach out to your local Social Security office for information about enrolling in Medicare. And then they can help you break it down for you with your individual situation. What are your next steps? Because there are errors people make. Sometimes people um, may uh, extend their coverage through COBRA because they're they're leaving their job around their 61st birthday, they're retiring, and they think, well, COBRA is the same coverage uh, that I had when I was working. So that exempts me from the penalties for signing up for Medicare. I can wait as long as my COBRA lasts, right? No problem. That's not the case. COBRA does not protect you from a late enrollment penalty for Medicare because we don't consider it under the law to be employer coverage, even though it's the same coverage you had where you were employed. So there are these fine sorts of details that some people don't know about 
Um, the other thing is I would advise people to be in good communications with your human resources folks providing you benefits, whether it's your employer or uh, your union. There are a lot of, I know we just, a lot of times folks approaching retirement, they just can't wait to, to get started. Um, but you really need to map out what are all my benefits? How do they work? What steps do I need to take um, to get things started? Uh, I used to do um, uh, seminars with a union in New York City, and there was someone there who would always say, uh, there's nothing automatic. Don't assume that anything is automatic relating to your retirement. And I think that's true. When you, whether you, it's signing up for Medicare, whether it's signing up for your employer uh, or union benefits, trust but verify. Make sure that when you took the step to apply or whoever you talk to, um, to, to take certain steps to move, move that process forward, that that is being followed up on. Don't assume that because you took the step, because you talked to someone, because you filled out a form, that that actually happened, um, that your benefits are going to start, that you have what you need. It's very smart because that's the most important time when you're first retiring to make sure everything is lined up. And then after that point, it's a matter of maintenance. You know, with Medicare, once you've initially signed up, initially selected your coverage, gotten good advice on that, then, you know, every year take advantage of that annual enrollment period and just, you know, am I happy with the coverage I have now? read the materials from your plan if you sign up if you're in a plan uh you know you know how is it changing going into next year and then if you need to meet with the counselor or go online and compare your options you know during that open enrollment period to make sure you have the best coverage for next year folks need to protect your card you know be careful around um one thing that i think a lot of people don't know health fairs don't give out your personal information at health fairs for something that's free People uh, have had their identity stolen in those types of situations. Uh, that information sometimes has been misused. Um, and people think, oh, I'm just getting some freebie, some uh, gift or something. And, and personal information to give you something. That is something to be very suspicious of. And then, as you said, these cold calls and also emails out of the blue um, or pop-up websites you know, don't click on those. If someone calls you, um, even if it seems like it's about an important issue, hang up. And then if they said they were representing Social Security or CMS or uh, whichever government agency, um, you know, look up the number yourself and call that agency. You know, if it's someone who says I'm representing Medicare, call 1-800-MEDICARE. If they say they're Social Security, call your Social Security office because they're not, we're not going to call you out of the blue. Social Security is not going to call you out of the blue about something, number one, ever. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's the fact that, you know, someone may be calling you. Uh, they may even have a number on caller ID. They're spoofing where they can make their number look like it's a legitimate phone number. So never, you know, never give out your information. Never talk to someone uh, who's calling you out of the blue like that because one of the most common calls that our fraud hotlines get and uh, the, the work, people who work uh, to combat fraud and abuse um, in our program is folks who have just talked to someone who called them out of the blue and they gave out their personal information and said, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. I was, it was a little suspicious, but I was so concerned about what they said, or I probably shouldn't have clicked on that link, but I did. 
don't be that person. Don't let your guard down. Better to just hang up the phone, not answer it if it's a cold call out of the blue. Um, there are other ways we get in touch some way, sometimes by mail, but just make sure that you are calling the legitimate number um, back for assistance. Um, you know, uh, be, you need to be very careful about that. And finally, examining retirement savings from across the globe. Let's take a look. For those that may not be familiar with GAO, we're an independent nonpartisan agency and we conduct our work um, to provide Congress with information uh, as they um, ponder policy decision-making. Uh, and, and so our research can be very helpful in that regard. And mo much of our work is at the request of Congress. And this is no different. Um, for this particular study, we convened uh, a panel of international representatives, experts, uh, and they include five countries, uh, Canada, including the uh, Quebec province, uh, Lithuania, the Netherlands, New Zealand, and the UK. And we selected these countries because um, they uh, have reforms and policies that can help uh, improve uh, the retirement savings, retirement security for workers. Um, and we focus in on certain uh, mechanisms and they include automatic enrollment, uh, default options, plan flexibilities. Um, and so these mechanisms uh, were the focus of our discussion uh, with these representatives. So they provided their uh, perspectives on you know, what worked well and what are some of the trade-offs. So that was the focus of our study. Uh, what we learned is that many of these plans uh, do uh, offer automatic enrollment. Um, and you know, these countries take different approaches. Uh, Canada encourages automatic enrollment while the others um, make it a requirement. Uh, and they uh, reported that, many reported that they've experienced uh, very positive outcomes as a result of this mechanism. Uh, for example, the UK uh, increased their participation uh, from uh, 2013 to 2014 by tenfold. Uh, so 1.1 million participants to over 10 million. Uh, just to give you an example of the potential success of how auto enrollment can help uh, workers uh, have access and, and participate in these plans. It, it may not be a surprise to you and to others. Uh, some of the levers used are very similar to what we use here in the United States, uh, which is tax incentives, right? Um, so the government can provide tax incentives to encourage participa participation, uh, savings or uh, via withdrawals. Um, and that those tax incentives can be um, directed for participants or for employers to provide uh, employee uh, employer contributions. Well, great segments. I want to thank all of our contributors this week. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Weekly. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, then drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, entertainment, so much more in all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, visit our website 
and our over 300 streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow, this time for BRN Sunday. I'll be joined by members of the media, academia, financial services, and government as we analyze and discuss all the news and events for the week. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.